0: Welcome to the Heart of Healing, the pandemic episodes. I'm your host, Tom Fuld. In these episodes, we'll meet loving, talented people who, while coping with their own pandemic stress, are offering others understanding, compassion, love, and ways to relax and heal, even under the weight of current conditions. Listen with an open heart to those who, in this time of crisis, are offering their hearts and talents to all of us. And I'm very happy today to have as our guest, Antoine Thompson, who is a mentor and a motivator, and is also known as Coach T. Welcome, Antoine.
1: Thank you, Tom. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much.
0: I'm glad you're here. Something you've written has said that the work of your heart is educating, motivating, supporting preteens and teens in their personal growth. That's quite a goal. Can you tell us some more about how you do that?
1: Yes, sir. Absolutely. Well, the biggest part of uh, how I do it is through a nonprofit organization that we have, which is called JLT Fieldhouse. And it's a coaching and mentoring organization. And we utilize basketball as the catalyst to uh, attract kids into the program. And once during the program, we not only teach them about the game of basketball, we teach them life skills, about teamwork and about resiliency and about communication and trust. And um, that is really wasn't really started the whole process, and it's just snowballed from there, and it's opened an opportunity to focus just on the mentoring part without the athletic component.
0: Right. Now, you started, though, with the athletic component because that's where you came from, right, from coaching?
1: Yes, sir. I am actually entering my 37th year of coaching basketball, and it is absolutely the love of my life. It's not so much about the game, but it's about the young people that I interact with and meet year in and year out
0: where do you coach now?
1: Uh, now I'm coaching in my 10th year at Salisbury Academy, a private school that is uh, junior kindergarten through eighth grade. And I coached the varsity boys team, which is a seventh and eighth grade boys team.
0: That's wonderful. Yeah, it is a quite a wonderful thing that you can have an effect and a positive effect on so many people by what you're doing, the work you're doing. I know that the coaches that I had in my growing up, we're very important people in my life. Do you find that you also keep in touch sometimes with some of your, your graduates of your programs? that was say?
1: Oh, wow. I'll, I'll do you one better, Tom. I actually am still in communication with the kids that I coached in my first year, which is in 1985. Uh, there are about seven or eight of the kids that I coached in 1985 that I still stay in contact with on a regular basis.
0: How wonderful. I, and I also would have to imagine they're doing very nicely
1: oh, they're doing great. And, and it's uh, one of the best feelings in the world is when you have kids that are, uh, they view you not only as a coach and a mentor, but they view you as a friend and somebody that they can stay in touch with to reach out to.
0: That is quite wonderful. And so tell us a little bit how your program works. You Now you say it's regardless of, of sports entry, it's, it's just to mentor. How does that work? Yes, yeah, so
1: really, they, I'll, I'll have to preface that by saying how it started was because of the pandemic that our nonprofit actually was shut down because we weren't able to have kids in the gym due to the social distancing aspect, and it was right. an opportunity. It was an opportunity for me to kind of self reflect and and look at opportunities to expand what we're doing. And that's what spawned the Coach Tease Corner, which is an online mentoring academy, as you mentioned, designed to educate, motivate, support. And what that entails is one-on-one or group sessions um, with myself and and focusing on the soft skills or personal development areas that kids need help on. And some examples of those would be personal responsibility, accountability, short and long-term goal setting, and the list goes on and on. And all of this is done through a program that I have is called the C of Success. And C is an acronym, and it stands for Simplicity, Effort, and Attitude of of Success. And all three of these components are applied to all of those soft skill areas. That's quite
0: wonderful. It sounds like you're taking all that you have learned in in the days of coaching and helping boys on the field uh, to take into into the bigger world today.
1: Not only that, but I'm also learning how to be a better coach through this process. You know, I'm always looking to learn as well. I never uh, deliver information to kids in a way that I'm a know-it-all. I listen to them. I never judge them. And I always take what they say. And I use that to my benefit to to become a better coach and mentor.
0: Well, that's one of the, I think, the real keys to being a good teacher, coach, mentor is that one word, listen. And that's what I'm hearing you're, you're saying. You listen to them.
1: Oh, absolutely. And believe it or not, uh, Tom, in a lot of the conversations I have with them, that's the one thing that they say that they don't get enough of is um, adults and older people listening to them. Everybody wants to tell them what to do, how to do it and why to do it, but they never ask them you know, what their thoughts are, what their feelings are. And that's one of the first things that I do is build a rapport with them and make them understand that I'm here for them to support them, educate them, motivate them. And the best way to do that is just to listen to them first. And then you can determine how, in fact, you can help them.
0: Right. And what what age do they start at now that you work with?
1: I actually, for the nonprofit, we actually start working with kids as young as kindergarten and go all the way up to college age kids. So we work with everybody, boys and girls. For the uh, mentoring program, we work with fifth grade up to 12th grade.
0: That's wonderful. And what happens if a fifth grader comes? What is he going to find? He or she? Is it both boys and girls in the fifth? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What are they going to find when they come to your mentoring program?
1: Well, the, one of the first things they're going to find out is about themselves, because one of the first things that I'd like to do is to find out how much they know about themselves, uh, because that's really what they're, you're trying to do is to get them to grow when they can't grow if they don't know who they are. And a lot of the uh, interactions early on is about building rapport, but also getting them to find out about themselves. And once they start realizing that there are certain aspects of their lives or you know, their lives that they didn't know they had, then they start to. Take a step back, relax a little bit, and they listen more because they realize there's something for them to gain and learn that they can use moving forward.
0: What are some of the things that they say to you when you say, What has your life been about?
1: Uh, One of the first things I mentioned before about you, they don't feel as though they're listened to, Um, they feel like they're not trusted. Um, and they always feel, a lot of them feel excluded in certain areas. And that's why they always seem to falsely uh, in, include themselves in things just so they don't have that fear of missing out. And, you know, my, my step there is to make them understand that they don't always have to be a follower, that they can, in fact, be a leader if they so choose. And it's not always about following other people. Define yourself, be comfortable and appreciative of yourself. And then you become that leader.
0: That's quite wonderful, and I imagine that joining other groups because you just want to belong is an understandable feeling, but also can lead to great difficulties in life. Oh
1: yes, sir, absolutely. And another example I can give you is actually um, when I just had a few weeks ago uh, during this pandemic. You know, kids have been in and out of school because of the uh, the hybrid process in school right. virtual. And some of the kids shared that, you know, their parents didn't have a true understanding of the stress level that they're going under because now their routines have been disrupted of being around their friends day in and day out. And they're with their friends for two days a week and in their home for three days a week. So their schedules have been disrupted, whereas parents are still you know, going to work and doing what they have to do. And then parents are not understanding that the kids are on a lot more stress to be successful academically, but they'd have no uh, consistency to that education that's being delivered to them.
0: Absolutely. This is a very tough time for, for kids in, in all ages. And I think having a group like the one you're working with, having the information coming from you could be very helpful and help them in their studies also.
1: Oh, yes, sir. And not only that, but going back to you're asking what kids learn when they come in. When it's a group session, one of the first things they find out is kids that are like them are also different from them. But by them having those differences, they can also find common ground when they're sitting in a setting and they're sharing the same experiences, maybe in a different environment, but they're exactly the same experiences. They relax more. They make uh, friends. This is where that character building comes in. Their communication gets better because communication is another big one that they have issues with because they deal so much on social media that they type more than they talk. So their communication skills are lacking.
0: Absolutely. To me, uh, this is almost amazing. I mean, when I say it that way, that you're sitting down and they're actually talking to one another, they're actually exchanging who they are and, and hearing who the other one is. This is not something that I remember ever having in my childhood growing up. And I imagine it's very rare to have. I think it's wonderful. How did you come to decide to do this? Oh, this is a great story, Tom. And, and man, I'm telling you, well, you're
1: a great interviewer because you know how to lay those questions out. Um, all of this stemmed from my childhood. Um, and for me, it was a um not a great beginning because I had a, a biological father who was not a very you know, was not a good father at all, nor was he a good husband to uh, my mom. And I had an older I have an older brother, and he and I were. About three and four years old when my mom made the decision to uh, leave our father and she met an amazing uh, Marine who um, they fell in love, got married. And from that day forward, the first thing my father did was he had legally adopted my older brother and I and raised us as his own biological sons and provided us a life that we otherwise would not have had. And what I do now is because of what he provided for me, giving me a second chance or giving me a chance to have the life that I wanted and not knowing what was out there until I was given the the skills, the knowledge and the experience that he had. And this is what I do now. And I just pay it forward. As a matter of fact, a nonprofit that I run is named after my father. And we lost him in 1996 to leukemia from his exposure to Agent Orange during his time at Vietnam.
0: Oh, I'm sorry to hear that he sounds like a wonderful human being
1: oh, amazing man amazing amazing
0: but this whole concept of kids talking to each other how did at the beginning there was there was a time when there was a beginning yes how did, so how did was there a resistance did you have to help them how did they get started so that you now have something working smoothly
1: Oh, absolutely. There was resistance. But Tom, you got to understand though, when you enter something like this, you have to anticipate that and you have to have a plan of attack to address it so that it's not a big issue. Um, it's all about making them comfortable. Um, and I'm going to use and I don't like to talk about this, but this is a perfect example of what you're talking about. Three years ago, or actually, we have, I think it's about three years ago, we had a girls camp and the girls camp had about 20 girls in it. And it was literally half and half as far as race. There were 10 white girls, and there were 10 black girls. The first day of that camp, all the black girls all hung out together on one side. All the white girls were on the other side. Whenever there was a break, they wouldn't intermingle. By the end of the second day, They had all made new friends and you could not separate them because they had all gotten comfortable with each other. The environment that I presented for them was one that everybody is everybody. We don't see um, any differences in each other. We're human beings. We all have to communicate. We have to get along. And now every year I have a camp, this is what I look to see happen because I love to see it because it naturally happens now because of the environment that we uh, present to them.
0: That's quite wonderful. I I would love to see that happen on a much wider scale, like our whole country.
1: Oh, amen to that.
0: Very beneficial. And when when they sit down, what are some of the issues that they come up with about resisting that? Because obviously there's fear and there's concern, but you have found a way to help them overcome that. What are some of the things that have happened or what do they say to each other or what do you say to them to help them that way?
1: They like to point out what those differences are as the first thing. And then I always come back with, well, what is? why does that matter or how does that matter? And I always like to present what I like to share to them as thought provoking questions. Because um, most of the time, the kids just want to have their way or no way, but when you provo- uh, introduce a thought-provoking question, it really, they really take the time to think about it, and they're honest with me with their responses because they know that I'm going to tell them what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. So that in turn makes them have to tell me what I need to hear, not what I wanna hear. And then that obviously, obviously makes them understand more about themselves that they were approaching things in a closed-minded approach, uh, a closed-minded way. And now they're, they're a little bit open-minded and they look forward to it. Now we have boys and girls competing at a high level together at the same time, uh, have an invitational open gym. And I purposely invite girls and boys to compete against each other. And the basketball does not know what sex you are. It is a game. It is a sport. You just play it. And that's exactly how they approach it. They forget that there's a boy and there's a girl. They just play the game. And those are just a couple of examples of that.
0: Well, that's quite wonderful. And how they go up, how old are the, the oldest of the people that you're in the group?
1: Um, I'll go to 12th grade seniors so, in high school
0: that's that's pretty because that's a big change too when you come into the high school and the teenage years and the issues become very very strong and very difficult
1: yes it's the social dynamics are the biggest part because uh, a lot of kids share that they go through their cliques of friends you know from middle school to high school because and I think you and I think you're making it that point as well Um, the environment changes the expectations change the goals change when you go from middle school to high school and when kids go in they first have to feel like they have to make their statement I'm going to be the end crowd or I'm going to be this group and then and they struggle a lot of them struggle academically because they're focusing more on their social lives than they are their academics and what we talk about is number one be yourself Because if you start being somebody else, guess what? You're going to have to fake it for the rest of your life and you'll never be happy. So that means you're not going to be in that so-called in group. That's their loss. You start your own in group. And when I ever say things like that, I love to see the facial reactions. And when I say things, sometimes I can see that they're like, wow, that makes sense. And I think it starts the thought process is changing for them.
0: And nobody's ever told them that that would be okay. A lot of people join cliques or join groups because they don't know what else to do and they want to be part of something. But here you are telling them they can be part of who they are and right. they form their own group, which is wonderful.
1: Yes, absolutely. And one of the best examples I can give you from my own personal experience was, you know, I'd say I've been coaching basketball for 37 years, absolutely love the game. But I share with the kids, I got cut from the basketball team every year in high school, every yeah. year. But it never deterred me because that meant I wasn't in the in crowd of the team. But I started my own because I said, you know, I still love the game. I'm going to be the best coach I can be because I still love the game. The game's not just about playing. The game is about every facet of it. You can coach, you can manage, you can play. And I made the most of that. And now, you know, 37 years later, I'm still doing it at the same level with the same passion, with the same conviction. And then I used that as an example of shared. I didn't get what I wanted but I got what I
0: wanted and you got what you needed ultimately what was best for you. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely.
0: That's yes, that's and look what it's brought you all these wonderful things. Now talking of beyond the beginnings of coaching and so forth, you say now because of the pandemic you have had to shut that down and you're doing mentoring. How does that work? It's different than what you've been doing.
1: Well, we fortunately we are—I should say—fortunately we've been able to start back with the nonprofit on a part-time basis. Um, it's been different because, Tom. Obviously, when you start something new, you have to kind of build momentum. But we're utilizing the—I uh, guess you say—the base group of kids that are in the nonprofit and kind of growing it out from there. Because we've had kids that are now. Um, graduating out of the program, but we have a huge influx of younger kids that are gonna be moving up into that middle, uh, middle school age. And we'll be able to kind of recycle and build both programs at the same time. Um, but for the biggest part right now is marketing the online aspect of it so that we can reach more people and not
0: just my local community. Right. And where are these people? Where are you trying to reach? What state are you in? I guess that's a good question.
1: Yeah. So I'm in Salisbury, North Carolina, which is about 40 miles north of Charlotte, North Carolina. Right. Okay, So in our general area, we're a smaller town, but we actually reach kids all the way to Charlotte. And as far as Winston-Salem, which are both about 40, 40 miles away. And But ultimately, the goal here is this program that I have has the capabilities of being implemented as part of a uh, development, personal development for school systems, and either on a small scale or on a large scale.
0: Absolutely. And, and one of the things that is sort of a benefit, if you can use that word, of the pandemic is learning how to do this uh, on Zoom, how to do this not in person, even though person in person is wonderful, being able to reach that many more people in that f- larger area is quite important.
1: Oh, it, it absolutely is. And I, I think also to offer the opportunity to also make it as things hopefully get better. It starts online. And then once we're able to do it in person, it just exposed the opportunities. Now people have the option, hey, you know. I like the virtual aspect of it. I get more out of it that way. Absolutely stay on it. But if you're like me, I love in, I love sitting and talking face-to-face with people because I love to get uh, real-time. I know we do it virtually, get real-time expressions, but face-to-face, in-person, there's no, there's no substitute
0: for that. Absolutely. And as we move along towards the health line, hugging is wonderful. There's no substitute for getting a hug.
1: Oh, now I'm going to tell you, If that's probably one of the things that I miss the most because I'm a very affectionate coach. And I think that's one of the things that the kids love, too, is they know that I sh- uh, don't hold back anything when I'm happy. I, I show my uh, excitement and because I love for them to see that I'm excited about their successes. And one of the best ways I do that is give them big hugs. And, and that's been difficult. But at the same time, we find other ways to acknowledge that and, and keep that same appreciation level high.
0: Right now, in the current mentoring program that you're doing, and you're doing most most of it online, I guess at this moment, and yes, some sir. person. But what does that look like? I mean, before it's sounded more like a, a basketball game. Now we're talking about what? How does it look? To yep. Do so things.
1: Yeah. So it's um, let's just give you an example. You know, um, a mom reaches out to me, either calls or emails or texts, whatever. We get on a call. She goes, "Hey, you know, my son or my daughter really needs some." focus on their personal responsibility they're not responsible in certain areas i said well we just get on a zoom call we do it number one first and foremost it is a one-on-one because i don't want the kids to be to be influenced by having to worry about the parents being there because they're not going to open up be honest if, if they know that their parents are sitting next to I, them i understand
0: yes yeah
1: so it's all about a first um meeting just to, to talk and kind of find out where there are and i always and i also assess how they're talking to me, meaning if they're very reserved, I can say, "Okay, this may take a little bit more time." Or, I like to keep it fun, feel lighthearted. Uh, my personality is is one that I like to use humor as um, a defense mechanism, and I think that always helps break the ice. And once we're able to do that, getting them to open up. Then we determine, hey, what steps do we need to go to get you to be more responsible? What's preventing you from being personally responsible for doing the things you're supposed to do, doing the right thing all the time? And once I know that, then we have the discussion about how to keep them there, not just get them there. Um, a lot of people work with people to get them to a spot and then they leave them. My goal is to not only get them there, but to keep growing
0: that so they always have that for the rest of their lives. Absolutely. I keep that in place. I don't know if this is unfair to ask you at this time, but do you have, you said you break the ice with some humor. Do you have anything you can just say an example of that? Um,
1: Well, it's just like a conversation, kind of like what we're having. And and like, for instance, I'll ask if they have a sibling and then um, they'll say yes or no. And I'll say something, well, I'm sure you guys like, fight like cat and dogs or, hey, who's the stronger one? Who beats who at what? And sometimes I'll know that they may be like, if they have a, a sibling that's five or six years younger, I know that the younger sibling's smaller in stature, so they probably couldn't beat him. So I'll say something like, well, I know you probably lose all the time. And I do things like that to get a reaction. Either if I get a positive reaction, I know I'm going in the right direction. If I don't get that reaction, I know I'm going to have to change my approach. It may be one of those situations where it's all serious and then humor's not going to be the the uh, way to go because some, you know, kids are int- intuitive as well and they know how uh, adults approach them. So you have to know which way to get to them, to get them to open up to you and be honest with you. And my other point is I always tell them straight up, I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to help you. So if you're willing to get help, then you have to share. And then when they know that they- somebody's there to help them with no expectations on the other side, they're more inclined
0: to open up. That makes total sense. And as what I was thinking about, as you were talking, the parent may come to you and say, my child needs some help doing this. When you get meet the child, do they necessarily know that and say, yeah, you have problems with this?
1: Oh, they always know, Tom. That's it's funny. They, oh, they absolutely know. Um, I, I give you a perfect example. Kids come into the gym and the parents will drop them off for a lesson and they'll and I'll say, yeah, you're doing a great job and tell this. And the parent will say, I've been telling them this for whatever. They don't listen to them. will everything you say, they listen to. And the kid is right there listening to it and they'll acknowledge, yeah, I sure do. But I don't accept that as a compliment. I accept that as a challenge because when that parent leaves, that child and I are having that conversation. If you'll listen to me, that means you need to listen to your parents first before you listen to me. I'm the secondary a secondary line as when it comes to that. Your parents are first on that list. So you're not showing them respect, but you'll show it to me. And to me, that's disrespectful to me and to your parents.
0: That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, we've been talking about the, all of this in the beginnings of it. What does it look like at the end? When I say the end, the graduation, shall we say, from the at, towards you, from your program? How does that? What does it look like? What was the student at at that time?
1: Oh, I have a perfect one for you on that too. Well, you're asking the great questions. So, I had a young man that was in the program for four years, and when he first came in, we butted heads like there was no nobody's <laughs> business. And when we butted heads, it was one of those things where I knew I had to. I had my work cut out for me. But at the same time, also had he had a choice to make. Uh, So if he kept coming, I knew I'd have to work a little bit. Well, when we first had our first couple of run-ins, I didn't see him for a couple of months actually, because he was coming pretty regularly. Didn't see him for a couple of months. And I said, okay, he's he's made a decision. He's made a choice. A couple of months later, he started coming back and he never. stop, he, he continued to come and he still comes to this day and he's actually graduated high school and still comes back and helps me with the younger kids. So that's about the personal development, understanding he had to find out that he wasn't who he thought he was. He had to show respect for authority and he had a lot to learn and he realized that he had more to learn about himself. And once he learned about himself, then he said, hey, now I've learned this, I have the opportunity to turn around and share it with others. He's a year out of high school. He comes back and he plays and works with our younger kids, but he doesn't just play. I watch him coach these kids, just like I coached him when he was in the program. And that is the perfect example of how they come in and how they leave.
0: That's quite wonderful. What a beautiful thing. And amazingly, we have zipped by here, and this half hour is almost over. And it's been wonderful to listen and to hear all you're doing. But I'm wondering if people who are listening now, somebody would like to get in touch with you. What's the best way for them to reach you, an email or a website? How, how would you invite them to reach out to you?
1: Well, there are a few ways. Uh, obviously, our, our website is coachteescorner.com. Okay. coachteescorner.com. And also my email address is Coach T at coachteescorner.com. Okay. And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook
0: as well. You're all over the place. That's good. All
1: over the place. Yes, sir.
0: That's wonderful. And finally, as we, and this has been wonderful, by the way, I really appreciate talking to you. What's your vision? You seem to be a visionary. What is your vision for getting past the pandemic and moving on? What do you hope to see happening? I truly hope to see, Tom,
1: all these kids back in school, number one, so they can be in environments that, they're, they're, that they know and that they're comfortable with, that allows them to be uh, comfortable in learning and then me for me to get the opportunity to expand more of what I'm doing with them and then them taking what we learn and sharing it with somebody else so that it continues to grow because i'm only the seed and they are the ones that are going to blossom and share it and that is what i would ultimately love to see and i'd also love to see a lot of our young people that are on the wrong track they're in and out of jails i would love to be able to have this opportunity to present this program to uh, the juvenile uh, justice system so the kids have an alternative mentoring program to keep them out of jail and get them on the right track to um, a successful life.
0: What a wonderful vision. I also, if I may, visionary for you is I see a book here. (laughs) Very helpful for people. Uh,
1: Oh, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: It's been wonderful having you. So thank you so much for being a part of our show, Coach T.
1: Oh, my pleasure. And thank you for having me. I certainly do appreciate the time and the opportunity to
0: share my passion. You're quite welcome. Thank you for sharing it. And thank you to our podcast family for tuning in and for their wonderful questions and comments. And be sure to check with us next week for our next episode of the Heart of Healing, the pandemic episodes. Thank you, and may you dwell in the heart.